Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that brings you business tips and advice and ideas. And we always do that by bringing you special guests, very interesting people. Today's is no exception. I'm looking forward to this one because I know a little bit about our guest today, but I won't steal Kathleen's thunder. So first job, introduce Kathleen, co-host. Hi, Kathleen. Oh, hi, Peter. Thank you for and uh, thank you also very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. We have the great pleasure of welcoming Brian Piper. Hello, Brian. Welcome to the show. How are Hello, you? Hello, Kathleen and Peter. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Now, Brian is the Director of Content Strategy and Assessment at the University of Rochester in New York. He's an author, international keynote speaker, and consultant. So let's dive right in. On your website, Brian, you ask if content is driving as much organic traffic as it could. Is this a big failing uh, in most businesses, do you think? Yeah, it really is. And really, even a bigger problem than that is that most businesses don't even know how much organic traffic they're getting. And so mm -hmm. organic traffic is just traffic that comes from search engines. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really any well-designed website that has really valuable content on it should be getting at least 60% of its traffic from search uh, organic sources. So any less than that, and you should really start looking at optimizing your content, figuring out what's working and what's not, um, and really start looking at the data to figure out better ways to increase your your rankings and your traffic through search. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Brian, if, if you're called in as a consultant to, to help a small to medium-sized business that feels they need to improve their marketing, what's the first area you start looking at? We always start with the strategy because that's that's okay. the, the end goal. If you don't know where you're going um, or who you're talking to and then where you are in your journey, you can never figure out if you're making any progress towards hitting your goals. So whenever I go in to look at any sort of content, whether it's web content or social content, videos, podcasts, anything, you always start with... What are your strategic goals? What are you trying to do? And let's prioritize them. Let's figure out, you know, is revenue the most important? Is generating, you know, is building an audience? Is monetizing your content? What are you really trying to do as a business? And then figure out who's your primary audience? Who are you really talking to? And then you can start looking at how you're going to connect your audience to your mm -hmm. strategic goals. And I think so many businesses just get so caught up in, you know, what the product is, what the service is, what they can do, what their features are and what the benefits are, that they stop really thinking about what problem they're trying to solve for themselves and then what problems you're trying to solve for your users. Once you know those mm -hmm. two things, mm -hmm. then it's just picking out the tactics that are going to help your user help you to solve your business goals and then just measuring, you know, whether or not those tactics are effective or not. And are you determining that through conversations with the actual business owners and just, um, or, or you're looking at straight statistics? Yeah. So those, both of those audits, the strategic audit and the user audit, both very qualitative, very conversational focused, really just talking through the whole plan to really get focused in on what you're trying to accomplish and once we get that information, then we really start digging into 
you know, the quantitative data, how many hits you're getting, how much traffic you're getting, how well is your content performing, um, how is it organized, all those sorts of things. And But then you've really got a framework that you can start using that data and looking at that data against. Because if you're not really focusing on your users and your strategy, then you're just kind of throwing your content out there and hoping that it's going to get the users to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're really focused about your strategy and your users uh, and your tactics, then you can really measure and really show improvement and return on investment. Yeah. I, I remember in a management course I did, oh, this is going back many years. I can't even remember who, whose quote this is, but he, it was a he. He said, culture Trump, trumps strategy every time. So leading on from that, would I be right in saying a lot of particularly brick and mortar businesses have been going perhaps for a generation, coasting yeah. along re- reasonably successfully, and suddenly the whole environment's changed with, say, COVID, using that as an example. And now they get caught up in tactics to try and sort it out and, and never having really thought about strategy. Is, is that a problem you see quite a lot? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think so much of it is just really getting focused on, on what you're trying to do, what you're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish. And, and like you said, so many businesses get caught up in the tactics or they find one thing that works and they just stick with that and keep doing it. And then eventually they're not even measuring it. They're just assuming that as long as the business is showing revenue, that everything must be great. Yeah. But there are so many ways to optimize those and really improve your performance just by paying attention to the data. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Let's switch in gears a little bit here, Brian. How did you become an international keynote speaker? Well, it, you know, I started off just doing presentations for coworkers. Mm. So, you know, even when I was back working at uh, L3 Harris, a defense contracting company, once I started doing SEO and content optimization mm-hmm. things, you know, it, it really started increasing the amount of traffic that we were getting to our website and it was making a measurable impact on conversions. So then they wanted me to go share with other teams how we accomplished that. And then the same thing happened when I went to the university. You know, we doubled our organic traffic to our new center site the first year wow. that I was working on it. And we've pretty much doubled it every year since then. Wow. So as soon as the leadership saw that, they said, we want you to go spread this message around the campus. So I went and talked to other business units. And then that led into speaking at industry conferences um, especially in the higher ed landscape, people are so eager to share what's working and what's mm-hmm. not working and how they're doing things. So higher ed conferences were uh, a great place to connect with other people and find out what was working. And then, you know, then I started speaking at broader kind of topical conferences, content conferences, um, and that led into, you know, traveling and finding international audiences. So it's been it's been a fantastic journey. Wonderful. That's really good. I want to ask you more about the academic world a bit later, but right now I'm I'm very interested in one of your um, areas of expertise that I know that you talk a lot about, and that is Web3. And and I would say that many businesses are very totally unclear about the opportunities Web3 is going to bring, and many more don't even know what Web3 is. So can you enlighten our audience on both those points, please, Brian? Yeah, so, you know, Web3 is really just the evolution of the Internet. So it's really giving us, you know, finally through the this blockchain technology that powers everything on Web3, it's giving us the opportunity to really 
prove and 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 own our digital property, our digital landscape, our digital identity. So it's really going to change the way that we store our data and share our data. It's mm-hmm. going to put that much more into our hands. We're going to have control over what we want to share about our personal identity and our, you know, our content consumption. Um, and it's going to really give us an opportunity to manage our digital content in ways that we haven't even thought of before. Uh, and I know there's so much, so many conversations going on right now around AI and mm-hmm. how are you going to, you know, put out content if AI is just going to steal it and scrape it. But there are ways through using, um, you know, blockchain technology that we could basically digitally stamp all of our content saying that we own this content. Mm-hmm. And then if AI ended up scraping that content, they would have to cite us as a source within whatever they created. So I think there's, you know, AI is going to blend in with a lot of these other technologies like the Web3 technologies, as we're going to see more and more, um, you know, content being moved onto these metaverse spaces as mm-hmm. the technology and the adapt uh, the adoption kind of catch up to you know where people and brands are starting to play around in these spaces so lots of opportunities wow so just going on that a little bit continuing a little bit on this sort of vein uh you and i are both in a all three of us, in fact, are in a community, and you've had quite a lot to say about nfts and that you know which community i'm talking about so I can see the advantage of NFTs and opportunities for business, but a lot of people can't at this stage. So, so what's your take on that? How how does a small or medium-sized business uh, look at NFTs and how can it help them? Yeah, so I think, you know, the idea of of NFTs and, what, you know, calling it these Web3 terms, I think that's going to go away. And I think they're just going to be better solutions to problems that we have. Okay. So any sort of ownership, any sort of documentation that we do, like for colleges, our diplomas. Mm-hmm. I think within the next three to five years, all colleges will be issuing diplomas as NFTs. I think our uh, okay. mortgages, our titles for our car, all these things that we are like storing data that permanently mm-hmm. belongs mm-hmm. to us. Um, I think those are all going to become NFTs. It's great when you start looking at inventory management. Sure. It's very visible. It's easy for anybody to go in and see where specific things are in the process. I know Estonia has been using their entire government has been on the blockchain since 2008. And it takes like 10 minutes to do their taxes because all the records are out there. Um, It's easy. You know, they're anonymous. But if they go in with their digital ID, they can attach that to their records and then they can do their taxes in five minutes uh, or they can right. their healthcare providers and yeah. choose who gets access to their data instead of having to call the doctor and have your records transferred and, you know, all those issues. Wow. So, so we, as owners of that personal data can now decide where it goes and we control it, right? Instead of a doctor or the tax people or whoever. Oh, this, I hadn't even thought of that. That's Do we amazing. really though? I don't know. Well, that's the that's the thing with Web3 is that your digital identity, all of that is owned by you and managed by you. You get to determine who gets to see your web browsing history or not. You can share yeah. it or choose not to. So within the Web3 space, yes, we can absolutely control our own uh, data management. In the current Web2 landscape, no, we cannot control our own data. Right. 
Wow. It still makes me a little bit nervous, Brian, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know. Anything that's digital can be just wiped out at the stroke of a key. I don't know. Um, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you look at all of our bank records, I mean, I so much of our lives is digital now. Mm-hmm. And really, we just come coming up with a better way to manage that and protect mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. definitely where we're headed. Right. Well, Ah. you co-wrote a book with Joe Peluzzi entitled Epic Content Marketing. In fact, I see it on your shelf right behind you. Um, Tell us about that book and how you came to write it with Joe. Yeah, so actually the first edition of that book came out in 2013. And that was the book Mm -hmm. that I read that got me into content marketing. Um, Up until then, I was a web developer and not a particularly talented or satisfied uh, web developer. Um, But, you know, since I had always worked with very talented developers, they always had me doing the content side of things. So go optimize the content for search engines. And, you know, that turned into SEO. So when I read the first edition and saw that you can actually market to people just by giving away valuable information and creating that uh, trust with your audience. I was like, this is what I want to do. And uh, I went right down to the marketing department in, at the company I was working for and said, you need to hire me to be your you know, digital marketing manager. And they did. Um, and so then in 2017, when I started at the university, I went to content marketing world for the first time and that was Joe's big event. And so every mm-hmm. year I went to content marketing world, I would track Joe down. I would take a selfie with him and thank him <laughs> for writing the book and changing my whole career path. And then I started presenting at content marketing world in 2020 during the pandemic presented virtually. And then in 2021 presented in person and got to spend a lot more time with Joe talking with him. And I started dropping the bug in his ear at that point about when are you going to do a second edition of Epic? It still has Google Plus in there. It's outdated. Yeah. And so, you know, then in October of 2021, I was in a Slack channel having a discussion with Joe and a couple other people that were talking about his last book, Content Inc., the second edition of that. And I asked him in the Slack channel, I said, when are you going to do a second edition of Epic? And he said, co-author it with me and, uh, and we'll do it. So I said, yes, absolutely. And Oh, fantastic. Hey, well, uh, that, that's really good. And then uh, if I, if I'm right, you at the last minute, you had to delay launching the book because you had to incorporate some new technology. Am I right in saying that? That's right. Because we knew that AI and, you know, that's part of the problem with especially traditional publishers or any yeah. book really if if you're talking about a technology that is rapidly changing, part of your book may be obsolete by the time that, you know, it comes out. So we had written yeah. a chapter on AI, uh, but we did delay it a little bit to make sure that we could put in the latest information that we had and talk about some of the new technologies and some of the new uh, applications. Yeah. You, you also had, for tra- people who've only ever published with traditional publishers, you had quite a novel approach to publishing yourselves and and publicizing, getting publicity yourselves. So I found that very interesting that um, in various communities in which you are a participant, you ask for volunteers. 
And a lot of myself included, a lot of us were so excited about your book that we said, wow, we'll promote this, you know. And so you got some traction. That was, I thought, really smart. And then you, you've just recently been involved in another collaborative book, if I remember rightly. Uh, I missed the launch of that. I had something else on that day I couldn't delay. It was last week. So do you want to mention that one quickly? Yeah. So it's the most amazing marketing book ever. And it was mm. uh, created and written by Mark Schaefer and 35 other creators within his web three community. So it's a, and just a fascinating example of that co-collaboration mm -hmm. and working together that co-creation and everyone shared information about their chapters so that we knew we weren't duplicating information or crossing over into each other's space, but it was a, a wonderful project. And it's a, it is an amazing book. It's uh, you know, 35, chapters that are each 10 tips on particular different areas of marketing. Mm -hmm. It's one I'm definitely going to read. I haven't started yet, but I will be reading it. And I, I watched the birth and gestation period and eventually everything from that book from the outside. I just got involved in the community when you guys started. But I think you did from start to finish. It was only about four months, wasn't it? Mainly yeah, it this year? Or... Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. So now I've got one. I'm changing direction yet again. You're, you're one of the few people that I've come across that's been highly successful in both the commercial world and the academic world or the business world and the academic world. Uh, many people are successful in one, very few in both. And, and from my limited involvement with academia, I know that there's some distinct differences between the two worlds. You seem to have bridged those very well. What's the secret? What's your secret to that, Brian? Well, I think the key is just to always focus on learning and know that everybody that you interact with has the capability to teach you something. And I think mm -hmm. just being, looking for those opportunities to collaborate with people and work with people and learn from people, I think no matter what industry you're in or job you're in, I think those two, uh, you know, factors will help, you know, help you with, with reaching success. Yeah, very true, very true. So, so, so that leads, sorry, go you go for it. No, you go. <laughs> uh, Brian, you've collaborated with many different industries over the years. Are there common problems that need to be addressed? Yeah, I mean, it, I think, and it really goes back to, you know, understanding your strategies and your mm -hmm. users. Uh, it, it always seems to come back to that. And every time you're creating a piece of content or, you know, doing a new uh, podcast, you really need to stop and think, who is this for? Why does this matter? What value is this going to have? And how is this going to help us reach our goals? And if you look at every piece of content from that landscape mm -hmm. and, and you measure against, you know, how well you're doing and how well that content performs for you, I think that's just going to lead you to, you know, uh, continued growth and success. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, very, I think very there good. are so many brands, every, every, every group that I've worked with, every industry that I've worked with, they all start out talking about their own products and services right. and your, your audience just doesn't care about your products or services, they right. care about how your products or services will help them. True. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. They do. 
So you've partly answered my next question, but I have to ask it because I ask all our successful guests this, this one, and that is, Brian, in, in your experience, and uh, is there a characteristic or a mindset or a habit that sets this people who are consistently successful apart from those who remain average or, or, or don't make it? Uh, you've mentioned constant learning curiosity. Is there anything else, or is that the main one, do you think? I think I think listening, I think active listening, listening yeah. is is the key to and really, you know, to, to learning and collaborating. If you're not listening, then you're probably not being as open and collaborative. You're missing opportunities. So I would say, yeah, listen to other people. That's that's how you learn. That's how you grow. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for that one. Brian, how do people contact you? Uh, you can reach me through brianwpiper.com or I am Brian W. Piper on almost every social channel. Fantastic. And um, the books, both books are available on Amazon, both the books right. we've spoken about. Yes, they are. Epic Content Marketing and the most amazing marketing book ever. Great. We will certainly put a reminder about that in there. And for our audio listeners, all these details that we're discussing will be in the descriptions on whatever platform you're listening to the audio on. So that ah, that's very interesting, Brian. Um, last word, we have a couple of minutes in hand. Last words for our businesses who are perhaps nervous about AI in particular and some of the other new technology that's coming on. Um, what would your advice to those business owners be right at the moment, going into somewhat changing times that we're heading into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say start learning about these technologies. Keep an open mind and look for ways that your competitors and your peers are starting to use these technologies mm-hmm. successfully. I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. I think there are going to be a lot of things that fail. I think those are as important for us to pay attention to as the things that are successful and that are working well. Mm-hmm. One quick one on on AI in particular. I, I think it's a wonderful tool. We use it to a degree, but um, we don't just take everything it produces as gospel. We We put our own spin on it, on what it produces. I have a concern about ethics. When when I see how large populations have been manipulated in the past by clever propagandists without the expertise of technology and AI, I have real concerns going forward. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree entirely. I think there are more and more conversations that are starting to happen around responsible AI and ethical mm-hmm. AI, which I think is is critical. Um, I was also very happy to see. Um, you know, the, the conversations going on with Congress about regulation. Yep. I think there definitely needs to be regulation around this and, and monitoring. Mm-hmm. But I think one something that makes my mind a little more settled is what you said earlier, that with blockchain technology, we can put a stamp on everything that's produced. So now we can deliver a degree of authenticity, on presumably on content that's been created by AI in the future. So that's that's reassuring. Wow, thank you, Brian. I could go on talking to you forever on that subject, but um, we are definitely running out of time. So I'll hand it back to Kathleen. And just from my side, say thank you very much for being with us. Fascinating. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brian, for being on the show today. We so appreciated having you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. We'd love to hear from you. And if there are any topics you'd like us to cover, 
let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We have access to many experts on this show. So give us a call. Take care. Until next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.